Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org match to maximize your gift today. This is Florida Matters. I'm Steve Newborn. The pandemic, as well as messing with people's wallets, jobs, and just about everything else in their life, has messed with their heads probably more than anything else. So uh, we've got a guest here we've had on several times before uh, in the past year. She's becoming one of the stars of Florida Matters. Unfortunately, because of the pandemic, Clara Reynolds is president and CEO of the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay. Welcome to Florida Matters once again, Clara. Thank you, Steve. It's really an honor to be here. Thank you so much. The last time we chatted, you described the pandemic as a tsunami. You used that word several times. You, you said people's buckets are full. The tsunami is here. They can't handle any more. Now that the pandemic seems to be easing until the next variant comes roaring down the pike, hopefully not, is that true anymore? Are we still seeing, is it as bad as it has been in the past years, or is there a little light at the end of the tunnel here? That's a great question, Steve. And I would say that the light at the end of the tunnel may be that, you know, now that more and more people are becoming vaccinated, now that more and more of us have learned how to live with this, that maybe the health aspect, the physical health aspect of the virus has improved. But I will tell you, the behavioral health issues are increasing. And even with all of the physical infrastructure and all the things that we have done, you know, vaccinations and monoclonal antibodies and things like that, the results or the, you know, the isolation and the trauma that individuals experience during COVID are not going to go away overnight. Behavioral health issues, behavioral health concerns don't just go away magically on their own. There's not just a magic pill like you can take, you know, if you've got a, you know, strep throat or something like that. It takes time. And what we're seeing is that more and more individuals are expressing the need for help and support. And certainly we're seeing that not just locally, but across the country. Calls to suicide hotlines are going up. Uh, We know that overdoses have continued to increase. You know, and there's still a, a sense that more and more individuals are recognizing that there are behavioral health challenges related to COVID-19 and the stigma that had been long associated with behavioral health issues and preventing people from getting help seems to be relaxing. So if there's a bright spot, maybe that's the bright spot for folks that are in my world that do this business. Um, but I would have to say no, that the behavioral health needs are still with us and will continue to be with us. I would project for the next 18 to 24 months. All right, Clara, before we go on any further, just please tell our audience members what the Crisis Center is and what y'all do. So we are, uh, the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay has been a part of our community for 50 years. We are celebrating our 50th birthday this year in 2022. Happy birthday. Thank you. And our mission is to ensure that no one in our community has to face crisis alone. And, you know, sometimes that word crisis makes people uncomfortable. But we like to think of a crisis as simply someone who has a life's problem that needs help finding a solution. And we are the gateway to finding that solution. And the way that you 
get in contact with that gateway is a very simple number called 211. Um, 211 is available in the Tampa in Tampa uh, through the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay, but it's also a number that's available across the country. So anyone who is needing information and referral about social services or they need some sort of support, they can call 211. The Crisis Center also maintains a variety of other phone lines. One of the more significant ones certainly is the National Suicide Prevention Helpline. That number is 1-800-273-8255, and that's available, again, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you call that number in Hillsborough County, you will reach us. We also answer for the state of Florida the substance abuse hotline, which you can imagine has been very busy since the pandemic. We have lines specifically dedicated to helping veterans who are in crisis, phone lines for individuals who are first responders, which include police, fire, but as well as our our emergency department uh, employees who have been struggling on the front lines, phone lines for parents of young children that are concerned about their development, as well as a phone line for teens and young adults who may be struggling. Um, We do a variety of other services in our our community where the Community Certified Rape Crisis Center, we provide trauma counseling. We also provide emergency medical transportation uh, for individuals who are experiencing a medical emergency or a behavioral health emergency. Well, that's a lot. So how many people do you have and has that number gone up with the need during the past year or two or wherever how long this pandemic's been going on? Yeah, we serve about 170,000 people a year and our staff is around 200 right now. Um, and we have certainly seen an increased need for staff. I think we are struggling like everybody else in our community trying to find individuals who want to come and, and do this type of work. Um, but you know, we have continued to provide the level of help and support that our community needs, even as call volumes have increased, even as you know, not just call volumes, but the needs that people have. You know, phone calls that used to be like seven or eight minutes are now taking upwards of 15 to 20 minutes. Um, you know, the difference between us and Google, I like to say, is that when you get to a point that you're reaching out for help and you Google or, or you're asking for help, it's usually the symptom of the day that has pushed you over the edge. It is that one last thing that filled up your bucket and you just can't, you need help. But one of the things that makes us different is that you're talking to a human being who has been trained to sit with you in that moment, to listen to you, to validate what you're saying, and to ask pointed questions to really get to the root of the problem. We've had many individuals that call us because they've lost a job and they've got financial concerns. They're worried that they may be evicted. But then you start asking other questions. Well, tell me what's going on. Why aren't you able to you have pay your rent. Why aren't you able to work? And when you unravel those stories, you really get to the heart of what people are are experiencing right now. There's still a lot of fear out in our community. There is still a lot of mental health types of, of issues, depression, anxiety that are preventing people from feeling comfortable reaching out and getting a job, uh, being able to reach out for other supports. And so just saying, okay, let me help you with rent assistance is not enough. You're not going to help to solve that problem long term just by providing momentarily or temporary rent assistance. You really have to then work with that individual. And the crisis center is able to connect you with services within the facility. But we also connect with the 3,000 other community resources that we have here in Hillsborough County. We're very rich with resources, but when you're looking for help, it can sometimes be overwhelming. And that's why, again, we call ourselves the gateway. Call 211 if you're not sure where to go. We're going to help direct you where you need, what you need. 
All right, if I call 211 and I'm not in Hillsborough County, if I'm in Pinellas, Sarasota, Polk, Pasco, uh, where do, they, do they get hooked up to a local agency, or how does that work? Yeah, in some communities, it is local. I mean, everything would be within the state of Florida. Some of our smaller counties, though, contract with larger 211 facilities, uh, particularly Polk and Pasco. Those calls are directly into Orlando. Orlando provides support for many of our smaller counties in our community, but Pinellas has its own free standing 211, 211 Tampa Bay Cares, amazing organization. And certainly here in Hillsborough, it's the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay. All right. So um, let's talk about some of the cases you've had. You mentioned, you just mentioned several of them. You mentioned increase in rape, sexual assault, suicide, which we'll get into in a little bit. What have we really been seeing skyrocketing in the past two years? compared to the previous years? Yeah, you know, I think for us, it has certainly been an increase in the need for emotional support and then also an increase in um, the need for economic support uh, around jobs and things like that. But the other thing that has been, you know, I want to use the word fascinating just because I don't think that as a professional I was expecting it have been the calls to the suicide hotline. Um, August and September saw a really uh, an increased call volume. And I will tell you that August 12th, of 2021, we took 31 suicide calls that originated here in Hillsborough County. Now, on a typical day, it's about 15. Why did it double that day? I don't know. We can speculate of a lot of reasons. It was the start of the school season. Um, It was at the height of the Delta variant wave, those kinds of things. But I I would say that certainly what we're seeing locally matches what we're seeing across the country. More and more individuals have suicidal thoughts, and it's younger and younger. Um, And so we certainly are seeing those increases as well. How young are we talking about? Are we talking preteens? That, yeah, you know? absolutely. You're oh. talking 11, 12, 13. The majority, though, are older teens, you know, the that 14, 15, 16 age range when we talk about teens reaching out for help. Uh, but we certainly have seen students as young as 11 uh, calling, looking for help and support. Now, is this because the social isolation, people being at home, not being able to go out to their normal support groups. What are you, what, what you going to nail it on here? Why are the numbers so high? You know, I don't know, Steve, if I have the magic number. I don't think it's just one thing. I think one of the things that we have certainly seen with COVID has been the isolation um, that happened and the depression and anxiety. I think that if, if folks, when they call us and they are expressing what they're feeling, Over and over again, it is feelings of anxiety or feelings of depression. Um, And a lot of that is exacerbated by isolation. You know, there's a reason why solitary confinement is the most extreme punishment that somebody receives in any criminal facility. It's because humans weren't meant to be alone. And yet through COVID, what we saw were that so many individuals were forced to be isolated. Um, And while we have phenomenal social media and we've got Zoom and lots of other technologies, humans are meant to be with other humans. And I think that those are some of the reasons why we're seeing these increases. I think that the other issue, too, is that as our communities have opened, individuals aren't necessarily feeling comfortable. There are some folks that have no problem going out. They've had no problem reengaging back into community. But we've had individuals calling us that are saying, I haven't practiced social skills essentially in 18 months. I don't even know how to strike up a conversation anymore. So they're compiling all of this anxiety over what they think that they should be doing, how they used to be before the pandemic. And so a lot of the conversations that we're having with individuals is reminding them, give yourself a little bit of grace, first of all. 
none of us are expecting, none of us have an expectation that we're going to be right back where we were. And then give yourself an opportunity to prepare. Pick situations where you can, you know, start off slowly, maybe meet with a person over coffee or maybe meet in a park. Work through your anxiety. Practice what you're going to say. Practice with me. We can practice over the phone. We can have a dialogue. Social skills are just like every other skill. They have to be practiced. And for many of us, particularly for our kids, they haven't had to practice these social skills in a while and they've, they're rusty. And so we're getting a lot of phone calls around that anxiety of getting back out into the community. And again, a lot of that has to do with we just haven't done it in a while. You know, we had this conversation about a year and a half ago when you were um, we were doing this on Zoom. We have the luxury of being in the studio today as things get a little better. And you had mentioned that you believed the suicide rate was going to skyrocket once the pandemic was over. Why is that so? And are we seeing that at all as the pandemic finally eases? not over yet? You, you know, I think we are starting to see that, particularly if you look at the national statistics, particularly looking at girls. Uh, particularly looking at girls in that um, that 14 to, to 24 age range, we are seeing more suicide attempts in that age range. Um, and certainly there are, are a lot of concerns that that will continue. You may ask me, why did that happen? Again, I am certainly not the social science expert. I'm sure that there are loads of individuals who have much more of that data. Anecdotally, though, what we're hearing is that It is difficult, particularly for girls, to be isolated, and that being on social media 24-7 has made life very, very difficult, particularly at a key point in a girl's life as she is moving through puberty, as she is trying to negotiate uh, this social space. Social media has made that difficult. And I, I, I'm not just saying that for girls. I have a son myself. Uh, I know that, you know, he had times where he was struggling with all of the pressures and all of the, um, uh, again, isolation, bringing that on. Um, I think because we are utilizing technology so much, we haven't been able to turn it off. And I have heard f- individuals say that they're concerned that we're now in such a digital culture that the constant stimulation and the constancy of uh, social media is making it more difficult for our our kids to be able to function. Do I believe that's the reason for suicide? I don't know. I just know that there are a whole bunch of things that have happened during the pandemic, and we're really now starting to see individuals really struggling. Right, the social media, you can't get away from it, especially you if you're a kid. Away. I have two kids, and they, they're, they're glued to their palms, right? Uh-huh. The, the blue light is like giving them a blue tan. <laughs> you're absolutely right. And if you're, you know, hypothetically, if you're getting bullied on social media, it's not like the old school days. You go home and you got a nice, safe place. You can't get away from it. This right. thing follows you everywhere, right? It follows you everywhere, and it can become so pervasive, uh, you know, particularly as you're utilizing more and more social media and again, you know, when you think about the school setting, you know, this traditional school bully, that was just in one setting. But I think, Steve, to your point, the bullying is happening in a variety of settings. And it is you you really do find that you can't get away from it. And it has and it becomes addicting. So it becomes addicting to see what is so and so going to say about me now? What is what is the thing over here happening? And you find yourself it makes it more difficult to get away. And because For many individuals, all they can still do is rely on that social media. They're not getting away. They're not they're not putting it down. They're not getting out. They're not doing other things. And so I believe that 
it's one thing after another after another to use that analogy that we used you know the last time I was on here that bucket can only hold so much and we keep adding drop by drop by drop and it gets to a point where you can't see beyond where you are right now let's let's talk about some of the other issues that are affecting people right now are you finding that a lot of the calls are economic related people are losing their jobs they've lost their jobs their savings are gone and that's really a source of great anxiety in their lives? The number one call right now for us at the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay is for emotional support, with number two being job loss, which was different than when at the beginning of the pandemic. You know, in, in March of 2020, folks were calling us um, concerned about this thing called COVID towards the end of March, beginning of April, and really April, May, June time period, about mid-June, it was all around um, economics. I've lost my job. I'm about to, you know, I'm used up all my savings. All of that was economic related. And then we watched the tide shift again. Um, so this is end of June of 2020. And throughout most of 2020, it was really focused on emotional support. Um, we saw uh, an increase in calls again in August and September with the increase in the number of COVID numbers. Um, those numbers, again, Individuals were struggling economically, but again, it was still all of these calls around the need for emotional support. We're talking about the effects of the pandemic on mental health and what can be done about it. We'll be right back right after this short break. Welcome back to Florida Matters. I'm Steve Newborn. We're talking with Clara Reynolds, CEO and president of the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay. So the holidays are here, right? And the emotions run wild. There's probably a lot more need for that emotional support. You know, the the fact that people uh, can't see their families or maybe a family member has passed because of COVID or or maybe they uh, they just are lacking those social skills anymore to go see them. So with the holidays here... Do you expect this to get worse? I do expect to see an increase in calls during the holidays. I really expect it to increase in January. That's typically what we see at the crisis center is that during the holidays, most folks can kind of you know keep it together. They've got this Norman Rockwell kind of thought around family and around the holidays. And then, you know, about January 6th, when the holidays are done and kids are back in school and the bills start coming in and all of these things start happening, that's really where we start to see the calls increase. And I expect that this year. And one of the things we will continue to talk about that we talked about last year is make a plan for yourself. Make sure that you're having conversations with yourself and your family about what realistically you can do. Um, you know, Many families, you talked, Steve, about losing somebody. I think that that is really pervasive right now. Um, you know, We certainly have seen that our first lady has cancer. It seems like we're hearing more about cancer diagnoses. Uh, so more and more folks are dealing with the physical aspects right now than maybe they did last year. Maybe they've, they're still, they've just lost somebody to COVID. So they're going to experience a lot of firsts this year, I guess is my point. And I think it's important to recognize that those firsts are going to be difficult. 
So as much pre-planning as you can do, making sure you're talking to your family and your friends, you're making plans, you're deciding which parties you're going to do versus which parties you're not, um, and then give yourself the grace to say no. You know, I think many of us feel like we have to say yes all the time. Give yourself the grace to say no. And again, take care of yourself. Whatever that looks like for you, that is a healthy way of letting you release some of that watering your bucket um, so that you can fill it up again. Make sure that you're doing that every single day, not just once in a while. So your advice for people with the uh, holidays upcoming is to hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and again, be realistic about the holidays. COVID is not done. Um, and will we ever get back to what 2019 looked like? I don't think so. And so I think it's important for all of us to let go of that mental image and create new memories and new traditions and new things with your family uh, that bring you joy and peace, particularly during this holiday season. It has been a tough year, everybody. You know, Clara, I'm thinking there might be a silver lining in all this. Uh, Are you finding that people are calling for the first time in their desperation Uh, And they're now seeking help on a regular basis that they wouldn't have normally if things hadn't changed so much. Absolutely, Steve. And it's really interesting. We've had several phone calls from individuals who have, they started the phone call with, I understand now. I didn't believe that this mental health thing was real. I thought, yeah, my friend just is weak and just needs to suck it up, get himself up by the bootstraps. I've heard that before, yeah. And now I get it. Because I haven't been able to get out of bed, and I don't know why. I haven't been able to go outside and re-engage in things that I used to enjoy. I understand anxiety now. I understand depression. And now what do I do? Um, And I think if there's a silver lining, we are feeling more and more comfortable talking about our behavioral health struggles than ever before. Uh, It took us a long time to be able to talk openly about cancer. It took us a long time to be able to talk openly about other physical health things. I think we're getting to a point that we can talk about the behavioral health. I think that the piece that my industry is really going to struggle with is that we are already facing shortages in workforce. And I am hearing across the state that these workforce issues are compounding Um, the ability to provide that help and support that people are asking for. So I think, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And so what I'm looking forward to are what are the new advances that we're going to be able to utilize? How are we going to be able to utilize telehealth differently? Or what's the next thing beyond telehealth to be able to provide that behavioral health support for individuals who are asking for help? Because there's nothing worse than asking for help Finally, making that call, asking for help, and not being able to get it. And so I am excited about the work that the state is doing. Uh, There's a new commission on mental health and behavioral health that is really looking at some of these issues. And um, I believe that we're going to make some some big progress in that across our state. Yeah, as we know, getting over the the hump of not asking for help in the beginning. That's the biggest step, right? That's the biggest step. It's the, hard, it's the hardest step, Steve. Yeah. It's the hardest step to admit that you need help and pick up that phone and ask for it. All right. So I've got a little personal experience this in the past in my immediate family. How do you tell somebody they need help, they need to reach out to somebody, and they don't want to? They don't understand what's going on in their head, and they don't believe they should go down that path for whatever reason. How do you overcome that hurdle? Yeah, and I think it always starts with an honest conversation. And it starts with your feeling. 
you know, Steve, I love you. I care about you. And I have noticed X, Y, and Z. How are you doing? And shut your mouth. Okay, that might be, you know, that might I mean, be the hardest part. It is. It's oftentimes the hardest part because then we start trying to talk people into it. Um, I, if somebody is struggling, usually they want to talk about it, but they're afraid that the other person is not going to validate their feelings. It's going to say, you have nothing to be upset about. You have everything. There's nothing that will shut off a conversation by telling, by telling somebody that their feelings aren't real and aren't valid. So it's so important to validate feelings. It doesn't matter whether you agree with them or not. To that individual in that point in time, those feelings are absolutely real. And let them talk and let them talk and ask lots and lots of, of probing types of questions with lots of support of, you know, I am so sorry what you're going through. I am so sorry. Can you tell me more about how you're feeling going into that place of feeling. And then if you recognize that that individual needs more help than you're able to give, that's when you say, let's together call 211. Let's together call your faith leader. Call somebody who is also trained to be able to help with this. Because oftentimes we feel like we can't carry that burden ourselves. Many of us are already, our buckets are already full as well. Uh, so making sure that you know that there are resources available. Obviously, I'm going to push 211, but there are other resources available. No one in our community should have to face crisis alone. And it really takes each one of us to kind of be our brother slash sister's keeper. If we see something and we recognize something, you know, kind of like law enforcement does say something, it's the same thing in behavioral health. If that if that niggling your belly is there, please reach out and recognize it. And if you are concerned that somebody is suicidal, one of the best things you can do is ask them the question, Steve, are you feeling suicidal? Oh, I'm okay. Thank you. You're welcome. But asking that question is so very important because it then gives license for that person to say, yeah, I'm really struggling. Okay, thank you for telling me. Talk to me. And let's, and let's find a place that we can help you get to better. Yeah, one other thing I wanted to ask you is the, the people on the other end of the phone who have to listen to this every day, handling just all sorts of calls and maybe they're not as prepared as they think they might think they are, talking people off the ledge. Um, Literally. What about your counselors? I mean, uh, do you offer counseling for the counselors? Yes. Yeah, so, so just like any other organization, we certainly have EAP available. But um, self-care is very important at the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay. It is something that from the moment you step foot as a new employee, it is one of the most important things that we do. And on the back of most everybody's badge, there is your self-care plan. When recognizing, first of all, how do you recognize that, that you are, that you're in a place where you need to, to take pause? And then to take pause, what does that look like for you? Um, is it taking some deep breaths? Is it, you know, going for a quick little walk? Is it just kind of closing your eyes for a few moments? What is it that's going to help you regulate your own emotions and have that plan before you get into that situation? So very important. Um, many of the individuals that work in our field in general are there because they're passionate about it. Maybe they've experienced themselves. So sometimes those calls, sometimes those experiences can be triggering. 
so important that you know that up front and that you have a plan so that you can manage your own behavior. Uh, But it is something that we have to work on every single day. And certainly during the pandemic, when we had to send people home, we recognized very quickly taking suicide calls in your bedroom, it's, it's not a good environment. So as soon as we could, we brought our staff back. And throughout this COVID resurgence, we have kept staff in the office so that we could offer support in real time, you know, be able to give you that kind of touch on the shoulder, be able to make eye contact with you. Um, Those are all such important things. um, And we have found that that has been, you know, truly very important um, for us. Well, Clara Reynolds is president and CEO of the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay. Clara, thank you so much to everybody who works with you at the Crisis Center and all the two-on-one people out there all over the state uh, for what you're doing. And um, thank you for being part of this conversation on Florida Matters today. Thank you so much. It truly, truly makes a difference when we can have these candid conversations that our community can really listen to. And that's it for today's show. Thanks to Clara Reynolds, president and CEO of the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay, and Denora Prevost for producing this show. I'm Steve Newborn. We'll catch you on the next episode of Florida Matters. 